Section 24 of Greece and Rome. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Colleen McMahon. The World's Story, Volume 4, Greece and Rome. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 24. The Siege of Plataea, 427 B.C. By Thucydides. The cause of the Peloponnesian War was the rivalry between Sparta and Athens. The little city of Plataea was a faithful friend to Athens, and therefore the Spartans set about its conquest. The Editor Archidamus first of all formed an enclosure round about them with the trees they had felled, so that no one could get out of the city. In the next place they raised a mount of earth before the place hoping that it could not long hold out a siege against the efforts of so large an army. Having felled a quantity of timber on Mount Scytheron, with it they framed the mount on either side, that thus cased it might perform the service of a wall, and that the earth might be kept from moldering away too fast. Upon it they heaped a quantity of matter, both stones and earth, and whatever else would cement together and increase the bulk. This work employed them for seventy days and nights without intermission, all being alternately employed in it, so that one part of the army was carrying it on, whilst the other took the necessary refreshments of food and sleep. Those Lacedaemonians who had the command over the hired troops of the other states had the care of the work and obliged them all to assist in carrying it on. The Plataeans, seeing this mount raised to a great height, built a counterwork of wood, close to that part of the city wall against which this mount of earth was thrown up and strengthened the inside of it with bricks which they got for this use by pulling down the adjacent houses the wooden case was designed to keep it firm together and prevent the whole pile from being weakened by its height they further covered it over with sheepskins and hides of beasts to defend the workmen from missive weapons and to preserve the wood from being fired by the enemy this work within was raised to a great height, and the mount was raised with equal expedition without. Upon this the Plataeans had resource to another device. They broke a hole through the wall, close to which the mount was raised, and drew the earth away from under it into the city. But this being discovered by the Peloponnesians, they threw into the hole hurdles made of reeds and stuffed with clay, which, being of a firm consistence, could not be dug away like earth. By this they were excluded, and so desisted for a while from their former practice. Yet, digging a subterranean passage from out of the city, which they so luckily continued that it undermined the mount, they again withdrew the earth from under it. This practice long escaped the discovery of the besiegers, who still heaped on matter, yet the work grew rather less as the earth was drawn away from the bottom, and that above fell in to fill up the void. However, still apprehensive that as they were few in number they should not be able long to hold out against such numerous besiegers they had recourse to another project they desisted from carrying on the great pile which was to counterwork the mount and beginning at each end of it where the wall was low they ran another wall in the form of a crescent along the inside of the city that if the great wall should be taken this might afterwards hold out and might lay the enemy under the necessity of throwing up a fresh mount against it and that thus the farther they advanced the difficulties of the siege might be doubled and be carried on with increase of danger 
when their mount was completed the peloponnesians played away their battering engines against the wall and one of them they worked so dexterously from the mount against the great pile within that they shook it very much and threw the plataeans into consternation others they applied in different parts against the wall the force of which was broken by the plataeans who threw ropes around them they also tied large beams together with long chains of iron at both ends of the beams by which they hung downwards from two other transverse beams inclined and extended beyond the wall these they drew along obliquely and against whatever part they saw the engine of battery to be aimed they let go the beams with a full swing of the chains and so dropped them down directly upon it which by the weight of the stroke broke off the beak of the battering engine upon this the peloponnesians finding all their engines useless and their mount effectually counterworked by the fortification within concluded it a business of no little hazard to take the place amidst so many obstacles and prepared to draw a circumvallation about it but first they were willing to try whether it were not possible to set the town on fire and burn it down as it was not large by help of a brisk gale of wind for they cast their thoughts towards every expedient of taking it without a large expense and a tedious blockade procuring for this purpose a quantity of faggots they tossed them from their own mount into the void space between the wall and the inner fortification as many hands were employed in this business they had soon filled it up and then proceeded to toss more of them into the other parts of the city lying beyond as far as they could by the advantage which the eminence gave them upon these they threw fiery balls made of sulphur and pitch which caught the faggots and soon kindled such a flame as before this time no one had ever seen kindled by the art of man it hath indeed sometimes happened that wood growing upon the mountains hath been so heated by the attrition of the winds that without any other cause it hath broken out into fire and flame but this was exceeding fierce and the plataeans who had baffled all other efforts were very narrowly delivered from perishing by its fury for it cleared the city to a great distance round about so that no plataean durst approach it and if the wind had happened to have blown along with it as the enemy hoped they must all unavoidably have perished it is now reported that a heavy rain falling on a sudden attended with claps of thunder extinguished the flame and put an end to this imminent danger the peloponnesians upon the failure of this project marched away part of their army but continuing the remainder there raised a wall of circumvallation quite round the city the troops of every confederate state executing a determinate part of the work both inside and outside of this wall was a ditch and by first digging these they had got materials for brick this work being completed about the rising of arcturus they left some of their own men to guard half the wall the other half being left to the care of the boeotians then marched away with the main army and dismissed the auxiliary forces of their respective cities the plataeans had already sent away to athens their wives their children their old people and all the useless crowd of inhabitants there were only left in the town during the siege four hundred plataeans eighty athenians and one hundred and ten women to prepare their food this was the whole number of them when the siege was first formed nor was there any other person within the wall either slave or free and in this manner was the city of plataea besieged in form this winter the plataeans for they were still blocked up by the peloponnesians and boeotians 
finding themselves much distressed by the failure of their provisions giving up all hope of succor from the athenians and quite destitute of all other means of preservation formed a project now in concert with those athenians who were shut up with them in the blockade first of all to march out of the town in company and to compass their escape if possible over the works of the enemy the authors of this project were Thanetus, the son of Timides, a soothsayer, and Eumolpides, the son of Democus, who was one of their commanders. But afterwards, half of the number, affrighted by the greatness of the danger, refused to have a share in the attempt. Yet the remainder, to the number of about 220, resolutely adhered to attempt an escape in the following manner. They made ladders equal in height to the enemy's wall. The measure of this they learned from the rows of brick where the side of the wall facing them was not covered over with plaster. Several persons were appointed to count the rows at the same time. Some of them might probably be wrong, but the greater part would agree in the just computation, especially as they counted them several times over, and were besides at no great distance, since the part marked out for the design was plainly within their view. In this method, having guessed the measure of a brick from its thickness, they found out what must be the total height for the ladders. The work of the Peloponnesians was of the following structure. It was composed of two circular walls, one towards Plataea and the other outward to prevent any attack from Athens. These walls were at the distance of 16 feet, one from the other, and this intermediate space of 16 feet was built into distinct lodgments for the guards. These, however, standing thick together, gave to the whole work the appearance of one thick entire wall with battlements on both sides. At every ten battlements were lofty turrets of the same breadth with the whole work, reaching from the face of the inward wall to that of the outward, so that there was no passage by the sides of a turret, but the communication lay open through the middle of the mall. By night, when the weather was rainy, they quitted the battlements, and sheltering themselves in the turrets, as near at hand and covered overhead, there they continued their watch. Such was the form of the work by which the Plataeans were enclosed on every side. The enterprising body, when everything was ready, laying hold of the opportunity of a night tempestuous with wind and rain, and further at a dark moon, marched out of the place. The persons who had been authors of the project were now the conductors, and first they passed the ditch which surrounded the town. Then they approached quite up to the wall of the enemy, undiscovered by the guards. The darkness of the night prevented their being seen, and the noise they made in approaching was quite drowned in the loudness of the storm. They advanced also at a great distance from one another, to prevent any discovery from the mutual clashing of their arms. They were further armed in the most compact manner, and wore a covering only on the left foot for the sake of treading firmly in the sand. At one of the intermediate spaces between the turrets, they got under the battlements, knowing they were not manned. The bearers of the ladders went first and applied them to the wall. Then twelve, light-armed with only a dagger and a breastplate, scaled, led by Aeneas, the son of Coraebus, who was the first that mounted. His followers, in two parties of six each, mounted next on each side of the turrets. Then others, light-armed with javelins, succeeded them. Behind came others holding the bucklers of those above them, thus to facilitate their ascent, and to be ready to deliver them into their hands should they be obliged to charge. When the greater part of the number was mounted, the watchmen within the turrets perceived it. For one of the Plataeans, in fastening his hold, had thrown down a tile from off the battlements, which made a noise in the fall, 
and immediately was shouted an alarm. The whole camp came running towards the wall, yet unable to discover the reason of this alarm, so dark was the night and violent the storm. At this crisis, the Plataeans, who were left behind in the city, sallied forth and assaulted the work of the Peloponnesians, in the part opposite to that where their friends were attempting to pass, to divert from them as much as possible the attention of the enemy. Great was the confusion of the enemy yet abiding in their posts, for not one durst leave his station to run to the place of alarm, but all were greatly perplexed to guess at its meaning. At last the body of three hundred, appointed for a reserve of succor upon any emergency, marched without the work to the place of alarm. Now the lighted torches, denoting enemies, were held up towards Thebes. On the other side, the Plataeans in the city held up at the same time from the wall many of these torches already prepared for this very purpose, that the signals given of the approach of foes might be mistaken by their enemies the Thebans, who, judging the affair to be quite otherwise than it really was, might refrain from sending any succor till their friends who had sallied might have effectuated their escape and gained a place of security. In the meantime, those of the Plataeans, who having mounted first and by killing the guards had got possession of the turrets on either hand, posted themselves there to secure the passage and to prevent any manner of obstruction from thence, applying further their ladder to these turrets from the top of the wall, and causing many of their number to mount, those now upon the turrets kept off the enemies, running to obstruct them both above and below, by discharging their darts, whilst the majority, rearing many ladders at the same time and throwing down the battlements, got clean over at the intermediate space between the turrets. Every one, in the order he got over to the outward side, drew up upon the inner brink of the ditch, and from thence, with their darts and javelins, kept off those who were flocking towards the work to hinder their passage. When all the rest were landed upon the outside of the work, those upon the turrets, coming down last of all and with difficulty, got also to the ditch. By this time the reserve of three hundred was come up to oppose them by the light of torches. The Plataeans, by this means, being in the dark, had a clear view of them, and from their stand upon the brink of the ditch aimed a shower of darts and javelins at those parts of their bodies which had no armor. The Plataeans were all obscured, as the glimmering of lights made them less easy to be distinguished, so that the last of their body got the ditch, though not without great difficulty and toil. For the water in it was frozen, not into ice hard enough to bear, but into a watery congelation, the effect not of the northern but eastern blasts. The wind blowing hard had caused so much snow to fall that night that the water was swelled to a height not to be forded without some difficulty. However, the violence of the storm was the greatest furtherance of their escape. The pass over the ditch being thus completed, the Plataeans went forwards in a body and took the road to Thebes, leaving on their right the temple of Juno built by Androcrates. They judged it would never be supposed that they had taken a route which led directly towards their enemies, and they saw at the same time the Peloponnesians pursuing with torches along the road to Athens, by Cytheron and the heads of the oak. For six or seven stadia they continued their route toward Thebes, but then turning short, they took the road to the mountains by Erythrae and Hysiae, and having gained the mountain, two hundred and twelve of the number completed their escape to Athens. Some of them, indeed, turned back into the city without once attempting to get over, and one archer was taken prisoner at the outward ditch. The Peloponnesians desisted from the fruitless pursuit and returned to their posts. 
but the Plataeans within the city, ignorant of the real event, and giving ear to the assurances of those who turned back that they were all to a man cut off, dispatched a herald as soon as it was day to demand a truce for the fetching of the dead, but learning hence the true state of the affair, they remained well satisfied, and in this manner these men of Plataea, by thus forcing a passage, wrought their own preservation. The Plataeans, whose provisions were quite spent, and who could not possibly hold out any longer, were brought to a surrender in the following manner. The enemy made an assault upon their wall, which they had not sufficient strength to repel. The Lacedaemonian general, being thus convinced of their languid condition, was determined not to take the place by storm. In this he acted pursuant to orders sent him from Lacedaemon, with a view that whenever a peace should be concluded with the Lacedaemonians, one certain condition of which must be reciprocally to restore the places taken in the war, Plataea might not be included in the restitution, as having freely and without compulsion gone over to them. A herald is accordingly dispatched with this demand, whether they are willing voluntarily to give up the city to the Lacedaemonians, and accept them for their judges, who would punish only the guilty, and contrary to forms of justice, not even one of those. The herald made this demand aloud, and the Plataeans, who were now reduced to excessive weakness, delivered up the city. The Peloponnesians supplied the Plataeans with necessary sustenance for the space of a few days, till the five delegates arrived from Lacedaemon to preside at their trial, and yet, when these were actually come, no judicial process was formed against them. They only called them out and put this short question to them whether they had done any service to the Lacedaemons and their allies in the present war, and upon their answering no, led them aside and slew them. Not one of the number did they exempt, so that in this massacre there perished of Plataeans not fewer than two hundred, and twenty-five Athenians who had been besieged in their company, and all the women were sold for slaves. The Thebans assigned the city for the space of a year to be the residence of certain Megarians, who had been driven from home in the rage of sedition, and to those surviving Plataeans who had been friends to the Theban interest. But afterwards they leveled it with the earth, rooted up its whole foundation, and near to Juno's temple erected a spacious inn, two hundred feet square, partitioned within both above and below into a range of apartments. In this structure they made use of the roofs and doors that had belonged to the Plataeans, and of the other movables found within their houses. Of the brass and iron they made beds, which they consecrated to Juno, in whose honor they also erected a fane of stone one hundred feet in diameter. The land, being confiscated to public use, was farmed out for ten years, and occupied by Thebans. So much, nay, so totally averse to the Plataeans were the Lacedaemonians become, and this merely to gratify the Thebans, whom they regarded as well able to serve them in the war which was now on foot and thus was the destruction of Plataea completed in the ninety-third year of its alliance with Athens. End of section 24. This recording is in the public domain. Recording by Colleen McMahon.